I started it actually on bed rest, pregnant with my second child. And I was fortunate enough to be, although I didn't know it at the time, a really good salesperson to my husband, telling him that starting a business in a recession with a 14 month old running around in addition to being pregnant on bed rest was a good idea. Welcome to the Portland, Maine Business Podcast, the place to get ideas, insight, and strategies from professionals who are in the trenches building successful businesses. Here is your host, Shelby Turcott. Hey guys, welcome. I am here with the lovely Kim Anania, president and CEO of KMA Consulting. Kim, you guys do a lot of human resources stuff. Uh, you started back in 2007. You have grown significantly. Uh, we were just talking about that over at least the past handful of years, maybe even more recently from what I assume was a very small team at the very beginning, all the way up now to 47 people in multiple locations and satellite locations across New England and Northeast. And perhaps most interestingly, you have a team of 47 with 46 women. 46 women and one lucky guy, one very lucky guy, everybody's dream. Uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what kind of got you to this point? All righty. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Shelby. This is really exciting. Um, and I always love to tell my story. So I will go Stories ahead. Stories are good. Stories are good. So um, yeah, I started KMA Human Resources Consulting back in 2007. I started it actually on bed rest, pregnant with my second child. And I was fortunate enough to be, although I didn't know it at the time, a really good salesperson to my husband, telling him that starting a business in a recession with a 14-month-old running around in addition to being pregnant on bed rest was a good idea. And uh, that's right. That's right. So my story kind of starts like this. My brother-in-law owned a couple businesses and one of them had 30 employees. He had um, a legal situation come up of which he realized he needed some additional help in all of HR. And he asked, would I be willing to help him get his ducks in a row? because he didn't need a full-time HR person and he didn't want to pay exorbitant attorney fees. So that was how KMA Human Resources started. I um, have a little bit of a different approach to HR and I think my approach is one that really lets the people that I'm working with understand that what they want to do is okay, as long as we do it the right way. And giving people the respect and time and energy to help everybody have the an outcome that they're comfortable with is how I've been successful in my career. And I have learned over the years in HR that fear drives animosity and lawsuits. And if we can sort of take that away it really helps a good end result. So um, that's a little teaser for you of how I started the business. But over the the years, we have grown. um, The first four years, it was just me. Uh, And then I, while the boys were growing up and before kindergarten, and I really was uh, very 
intent on only working 20 hours a week. And that's what I did. And then I got more business than I could handle and hired my first employee who is still with me today. And my second employee who is still with me today. I'm pretty proud of that. Very impressive. I'm proud of that. Um, And over the years have realized what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and have let go of the things I'm not good at and worked on the things I am good at and have built a pretty incredible team to help businesses throughout New England and even parts of um, we're expanding at the moment. We just got our first California client and we're working with some global companies setting up satellite offices here. And so uh, the talent that I've been able to recruit has been able to really sustain our first clients that keep coming back. That's awesome. You just mentioned, and this I think is a key point, you know, kind of what you're good at skills. uh, I think passion sometimes falls in line under that same umbrella and that while they're not exactly the same thing, Early on, a lot of business people, if you're in small business, you are trying to wear many hats, right, at Mm. once. Mm. And I think as things start to transition, everybody kind of goes through that phase where you have to realize that certain things you have to let go, certain things you maybe you're good at, but somebody else is better at. Talk a little bit about maybe your, your, your passion, how that lined up with your skill set. Maybe even at what point that kind of started to, you know, you had that awareness, you know, you four years, you started, like you said, to realize that, geez, I was not good at these things. If I'm going to grow, here's what I need to do. How did those pieces kind of line up or those stars align? Yeah, thank you. I think going back to when I was an internal HR person, I was always an internal person of a company with three to 500 people. And I was one of two HR people. And I was always drinking out of the fire hose and I could never um, be strategic or really think and learn um, strategically. So I never had the opportunity to have help (laughs) and I never had the opportunity to do a lot of planning. And that was one thing that I missed in my career. And so when I started this business, I thought, hmm, I think the niche that I have is to be that, uh, let's say, anchor for a company. And and our clients, some of them have HR people, but some of them, it's the operations, the CFO or the CEO that just has too much on their plate and they don't want to do it. And so for what we do, we're a very transactional um, HR firm that does the work. We don't just tell you how to do it. We do it we do it for you or we teach you how to do it so that you can do it if you have the resources. I share all that because my passions within HR are really complex employee relation issues. I love the, um, the, the dirtier, the better, um, the junk in the trunk that, um, nobody wants to share, but you got to find out the details. That's that those complex employee relations, taking a problem troubleshooting it and having a resolution. Sometimes that resolution is we're going to keep keep people here and work through it. And sometimes it's time for them to go. But regardless, it's doing it with respect and courtesy. That also being said, I love recruiting. I love matching people um, to, to companies and jobs. And I love um, growing people. And so the job that they never thought they could do because they didn't have 
10% of the job description, but realizing, helping them realize that they can, getting them to that point. So, so employee relations and recruiting were the two areas. Ironically, um, the first probably eight years of KMA, we, we, did, we did recruiting for our clients, but it wasn't a service we really provided. And it wasn't until my consultants, and the reason for that was none of, I was the only one that liked to do it, but I couldn't continue to do recruiting and run the business. So I made a conscious decision to bring in people who love to do recruiting. My, my advising consultants, they've been there, done that, not their passion. And, and so, um, so I'll leave it at that for right now to your next question, because I could keep going on and on, but I want to keep us on track. <laughs> no worries at all. They all, they all kind of shift and kind of meld together. So I do want to follow up, though, on that note, because you bring up, I think, two interesting and key points for business in general, but somebody thinking about, you know, either early in kind of the business realm or, hey, maybe I want to go off on my own and whatever it is. You know, you at this point, you know, what, 14 years in, you had already had some HR experience. You had some kind of organizational development experience. And you talk about people's passions and skill sets and whatnot, what they're good at. I think too many times people automatically assume that if they uh, are good at one skill set, they should maybe go off and start a business on their own, or mm. they get sick of working at a certain business and say, man, I'd love to make the call on this. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's true, but maybe you can fill us in on that transition for you, right? You went from, you know, being in probably, I'm assuming a reasonably good place in terms of kind of corporations and ladder and from a professional standpoint and, but then you transitioned over and perhaps it was a little bit by chance, but let's be honest, not everybody who is home pregnant and on bed rest is starting successful businesses. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, that kind of career change and shift and, mm. you know, was it pure luck or, or by chance, how did you decide that that maybe was the route? Like, wow, I want to go from being part of this to creating my own thing. So I'll be honest with you that I think part of it was I never, ever thought I'd have close to 50 people. I thought if if this was sustainable, I might have five at the most, right? So I have actually exceeded any of my wildest dreams. I will also say that the conception of this was purely selfish. I did not want to work. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom with my two kids. I will also share with you that my first child, Charlie, who is completely and totally healthy now was eight weeks early. And that working a full-time job while he was in the hospital for six weeks, while for the first three years of his life needed um, three kinds of therapy to, to keep him growing, that was my focus. But I didn't have the means to not work. And so um I, I thought to myself, if you're going to go work, you're going to do it on your terms. And I will also backtrack to um, sort of my family. My dad is a serial entrepreneur, owns a construction company and multiple businesses um, back in Connecticut. My grandfather came over from Italy. He worked on an apple orchard. He worked to save money, bought an acre on the apple orchard and built a house. 
And then he kept working on that apple orchard and he bought the second acre and bought that, built another house. And that, um, I think they say that your DNA runs seven generations. And uh, I would say that there's probably an untapped entrepreneurial spirit in me that I didn't know. And um, because I was sort of desperate to not work, um, that was how KMA started. And, and I will also say that um, I had an extremely fortunate childhood with a lot of opportunities that came my way that gave me experiences to push myself. I was a student athlete, swimming, soccer, and lacrosse. I, um, I was really active in my youth group and went on a lot of mission trips to third world countries. I, um, I spent a semester in Australia in college, which was an amazing experience. But um, recalling back to Thanksgiving in Perth, Australia, I was traveling by myself and it was probably 120 degrees. And whenever I would walk outside, I'm not kidding, like a billion flies would flock to your body. And I remember like swatting them away and being disgusted and just thinking all I want is turkey, my mom's sweet potato pie, cranberry sauce. And I just had this vision of everyone sitting around the table and I was really sad. And so I went to a payphone. And now that it's 120 outside, inside the payphone, it had to have been 150, but I didn't have flies all over me. And I remember calling home and I remember my family answering and you could hear everyone in the background. And I was sad. I was so sad and lonely. I had never been more lonely in my life. And I think back to that because those moments of the lonely or the I'm oh by the way I'm really competitive, hence student athlete. Um, I don't like to lose, and I also know what it's like to feel despair and fear. Um, my my baby almost died. Um, I grew up with four of my best friends' parents dying within a five year period, and so all these little things that have happened in my life that bring out the worst feelings, I think are what gave me the grit to um, dig in, one, not to fail, um, two, to be okay with being vulnerable, and three, to build something for me and others. And the mission of what I do, and, I, and it, 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 it gets challenged the bigger we get, but I have created a place that offers men or women in the HR field to do their best work in the timeframes that they can. I had to choose work over family so many times and it never felt good. And right now people can, people can choose their family over work, just get it done and make our clients happy and do the quality work and your best work. And, and that's, that's really why I started it and what I'm trying to maintain. Yeah. And I, on that note, I will say this, you bring up a thought that in today's day and age, social media and thinking that people are like flipping a switch. And this goes back to even the previous question of starting a business. I laugh when I hear people talk about, I want to start a business. What kind of business should I start? My first thought is if that's the question you're asking yourself, you're probably not going to fare very well because most people that are successful aren't looking at it like, huh, okay, I want to start a business because I want to go out and do this 
because if you talk to people like yourself that have been in the trenches and are still in the trenches, one is it was typically born out of a passion for it. Two, the resilience piece that you talk about is, I think, something you, one, have to have. And sure, it's, it's learned, like you said, through life experience and honestly, sometimes trial by fire in terms of, of business, which brings me to the next point of the first few years, right? The first, oh. you know, two to you said like four or five years can be incredibly hard. And I often laugh or, or joke with people that I say, from my perspective, it was like, I wasn't worried about succeeding. I was trying not to go out of business the first, you know, couple of years when you know that businesses and, and small businesses fail. Oh. So talk to me about that, because while you said that you're, you know, you were working part time and this and that, and you didn't really want to grow it. Clearly, there was a point where I'm assuming there was a tipping point where it was kind of either going to maybe spin its wheels and you were going to kind of try to tread water or you needed to like make the push to grow. So, you know, what was the timeline? What did that look like? How did that happen? You know, walk us through that. It was, um, it was year four or five and it was when the kids started kindergarten and, um, it afforded me to have more than 20 hours a week of caring for kids. Right. Um, and I also had a little taste of success. I was working with well-known names, companies everybody would know in Maine. And it felt really good to be driving down the street and saying, oh, that's my client. And seeing a commercial on TV, oh, that's my client. And, um, but I will also say, I didn't know what I was doing. And there are times I still don't know what I'm doing. And I had a history and American studies degree. I bypassed every math, science, and business class successfully. Um, I knew that I needed help. And it was the deciding factor that at that point, even I mean, I, I was making enough to pay the bills. We'd, we'd graduated from ramen noodles to spaghetti. But I'll say this, that um, I still knew I had to work. And so I still had to make the decision, was I going to stay doing what I was doing or go back internal to be an HR person somewhere? And I knew I had the flexibility for my kids and my lifestyle to continue to do what I was doing. So it was, um, do I go back to school and get my, my master's? And I am not... I, I, I'm not very academic. I would prefer um, to not read a book or sit through a class. So I thought, hmm, there's business coaches out there. And that was, that was a pivotal moment for me because I still didn't have the money to pay them, but I was going to pretend like that was my master's degree tuition and try it for a year. And that is when I started working with a man named Jim Lyon, who owns Summit Nine Consulting. And Jim was instrumental in helping me with the sales process. Um, the finances were still easy. <laughs> it was just billing my time out. Um, but it was really, who needs HR? Why do they need HR? And how do you get them to pay for overhead that they, they may value or not? And so that was um, year four or five was about the, the time frame where I dug into working on the business rather than in the business and figuring out what our sort of go-to sales strategy was. 
huge. And I think that also brings up the point of, you know, that transition where again, realizing you need help. Right. And, and we talked about that at the start, but sometimes ego, you know, the joke is ego is the enemy type of deal gets in the way of a lot of people from maybe taking that leap. Or I always think you want to be ahead of your competition in terms of right as a business owner, you're thinking two, five years out, maybe even beyond kind of loosely and you being the bottleneck in it doesn't really help the business kind of move along. So props to you one for recognizing that early when, you know, I think a lot of people kind of like, Oh, I don't really need, I don't need business coaching. I know what I'm doing. And you being humble enough to, you know, clearly say, Hey, I knew I was good at this, but not at this. And I need help with this probably is part of, you know, again, 14 years later, reaping the benefits of what you did 14 years previously, 10 years, five years, and, and kind of on down the line uh, has allowed you to, you know, really succeed. It has. And um, the, I think the biggest piece of the growth is about establishing strong relationships with people who have the same values in, in mind, who recognize the HR is important, but also have the same kind of clients so that it makes them look good when they refer someone that, that can actually do the work, but follow through and ensure that the client's happy. Um, and I, this is so not PC, but there are five, I call them my business boyfriends from the beginning that were in uh, various networking groups, but um, I really relied on with my ignorance of um, how to run a business or who was the market um, that I'm still very close to this day that I still pick up the phone and say, what do you know about this? And what do you think about this? And if I did this, what would you think? And how do you think it would be taken? And um, I I value very much um, them, but also every single person that I meet that has a story because there's something I can learn from them. And one of the things you, if you talk to any one of my employees, um, we meet weekly on Wednesday for a half hour. Uh, and we also have quarterly staff meetings and it is, um, would be rare for me not to say to my, to my staff, how can we raise the bar? How can we be one step ahead of the other competition? Um, how do we do things better? How do we do things simpler? How do we take that weight off of our client? If we're not thinking about that, then we're just going to be stagnant. Right. And that's, that's exactly it. You know, how, how can it, how can you make it? I mean, to your point in HR, you're still a customer service person. Like how can we make this a no brainer? How can we make this easier to succeed? How can we, again, like you said, stay kind of ahead of the curve. And got to ask good questions and not make any assumptions. Yeah. So I was going to say you went from one to nearly 50 people. You clearly believe in the relationship piece. You clearly believe in kind of hiring to fill holes. And you talked a little bit about, you know, your work ethic, kind of your belief, how you grew up, so on and so forth. Branding is big these days, right? The topic of branding, social media, being out there, reputation really is what it comes down to, what you stand for, who you are as a business, which 
I think not only gets harder as you multiply employees because you have to find like-minded people, but maybe the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the, the leader, in your case, the business owner needs to be clear in terms of definition of what it is and what it is you stand for. So talk to me one about that. How did you kind of get to that point of personally, you probably know who you are and some of those values shift over to the business, but you know, what was it about that branding piece? How did you kind of get to that? Did you literally sit down and start writing out your branding? Did you go back through and think about the clients you had? What did you do to start to kind of formulate that and really solidify it so that then, then how do you take that to the fifth employee, the 10th employee, the 47th employee? How did you kind of get and kind of connect those two dots? That's a great question that um, I think is um, under constant review and has also been more of a focus probably in the past three years than it was before that. And as far as the branding goes, one of the things that I, I fight and continue to fight is that KMA, which are my initials, Kimberly, Monziglio, Anania. And again, never thought that I would be this successful because I would have had a different name for the company. And so when I started this business, my thought was, all right, you need a name, got to get the LLC set up, just do your initials because it's easiest. And someday we can change it. Um, And in the first five years, it was me and I was the brand. And I, as I started adding employees, that was the struggle is that I don't want it to be me. I want to be a service organization to help with your people problems and, um, and strategy, people's people problems and strategies. And, um, even now I still have some clients that still the original ones that still come back to me, even though they've been introduced to other people. So I'll share with you, Shelby, that, um, the branding is, um, still based on our core values. And those were not really defined until three years ago when I hired a marketing manager, Jenny Ellis helped me tremendously in developing the true mission statement and mission statements are important. Um, but I didn't really feel like I needed one until I got to about 20 people and Jenny, um, did a really awesome exercise and interviewed, Um, some of our clients, some of our strategic business partners, and some of our employees, and asked um, five or so questions and found that through um, the questioning, there were words that were repetitive amongst all. And those words have about our culture, our people, and our company are pretty much what created our values. And those values are very much what I was thrilled about who I am. And so, you know, we, 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 I am, um, again, I told you I came from an Italian family. You do it right the first time. A handshake's a handshake. You follow through on what you say you're going to do. If I were to say those three things are the, are the three things that I'm about and I expect everybody else to be about and my team. And um, to pass it down, one was um, it was easier when we were smaller because I interviewed and hired every single person and we had these conversations and they shook their head and said, yes, I'm about that too. And um, when those 
um, values were questioned, it's about having the conversation. What happened? There's two sides to every story. There, I, I, uh, one of my mentors told me there's two sides to every pancake, no matter how flat it is. So I, I think of, of that not to jump to if I have an unhappy client or um, an expectation didn't quite happen the way it was. Well, let's talk about it and let's understand what where the mishap was. Let's fix it and move on. And, and that's very much um, how we operate. To go back to the, to the branding, um, for many years, I didn't want to be in the spotlight. You know, HR is a pretty confidential um, we deal with a lot of confidential stuff and not a lot of my clients want people knowing we're working with them, whatever, whatever the reason is. And so there's a fine line that, that we, that we walk, um, sometimes. And I also like to stay under the radar because I don't want everybody knowing my business a lot of the time. So as much as a sort of extrovert as I am, I'm very much of an introvert on a lot of different different areas, both for me personally, but also my business. I am not personally, I have a Facebook page, but I rarely get on it. I am not on any of the other social media platforms. For me, it's not, it's not a healthy use of my time. Um, and I don't have time, quite honestly, um, to, to, to stray, I'll say. Um, Jenny has been wonderful. LinkedIn is a, is a great avenue for us to get our message out. It's a professional. We can share our expertise and knowledge. Um, and we can connect with the people that we need to for our business. So um, the branding piece Branding piece is um, really about who you are, following through and doing the right thing. At the end of the day, if you do the right thing, it just com- keeps coming back. Yeah. And I, you know, you talk about following through and kind of going back to, I, I believe, you know, your core values in terms of, uh, you know, kind of how those two start to mesh and shifting. And I think the, your, your point of talking to, you know, clients and strategic partners and acquaintances, something that people can, you know, do even at a smaller level when you're servicing, you know, whoever it may be, and probably whatever avenue you are in industry or otherwise, you know, asking those questions, hey, what do you think of why do you come here? You know, simple questions like that often, you know, we learn too that maybe they weren't buying what you thought you were really selling. You know, we always joke that we're not you know, even really in the, in the personal training or health and fitness, we're in a customer service and relationship business, similar to what you said. And so being able to go back to those default things of, you know, what it is when people think of you, you know, is it the personalized piece? Is it the, uh, you know, a strategic piece in terms of how you handle, is it handle it? What is it that people really come back for? And, you know, you talk about, you know, working a lot with Jenny and her name keeps coming up. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn. Uh, Again, social media nowadays is huge in general, however you kind of want to classify or quantify social media, right? But let's just say the the internet and technology has really shifted the the business world. And in particular, I'd say the last five years, seven years, talk to me about you guys. How do you display showcase, convey those? Are you doing lots of stuff on social media? 
Are you really trying to get out there and use word of mouth still? You know, what are you doing kind of Great like question. in terms of marketing that branding? Because I think a lot of people now get bogged down with thinking one avenue, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run Facebook ads because everybody's doing it and they say ads are cheap. Um, and I think perhaps, you know, and it was a little bit different time, but in many ways, maybe not. You bootstrapped a little bit more and talked about relationships and this and that, which, you know, is a totally different avenue. So what are you doing now? What do you recommend? Thoughts on that? Great question. So um, there's two parts of our business. There's the HR advising side, and then there's the recruiting side. So to talk about the HR advising side, um, really, that's all I'll just say it's about the relationships people buy from people they like and trust. And um, with the with the types of things we work on and with, um, they want to have that sense that they trust who they're working with. So that really is um, continuing to do and, and now with with COVID. Um, it's a lot of Zoom meetings, but we are, we're reaching out to strategic partners, whether they be attorneys, benefit brokers, financial planners, um, accountants. It's those people who are working with the clientele that we work with to say, here's who we are. And this is part of the rebranding we're doing with our growth. We're a bit, we're a different company even two years later than I was two years ago. And one of my, I do um, 90 day planning where we set goals every 90 days and our 90 day plan for the second quarter will be, we need to re-educate our strategic business partners of who we are, what our capabilities are, what we do, what we're doing that we weren't doing before, what we're not doing that we were doing before. So I think that's one piece of the marketing branding that we're doing. If I talk a little bit more on the recruiting side, that's a little bit of a different beast because of the um, applicant tracking systems where you apply to a job, it usually goes into an applicant tracking system, whether it be Indeed or LinkedIn. We pay to be on, uh, we pay membership fees basically on LinkedIn and I'll just use LinkedIn and Indeed. Um, and there are a ton of back-end complicated algorithms that happen. And we have made the conscious decision because we can, um, and we have the clients that would benefit from it to put a little bit more into ads in those places. So um, the answer is yes, but we're really doing this specialty around the systems that are um, HR related. Beautiful. Somebody that's in business then, let's just say they listen to this interview and now they're catapulting their business and they're from one employee to five to whatever. Talk, this is getting, we're going to, we're going to steal some consulting from you right now. Okay. Talk, talk, <laughs> talk to us, talk to me about retaining talent, right? Because this is something that I think one, it's not just right. It's not the business owner there. This is a two party. It's a relationship piece. But retaining talent, you know, essentially businesses as they grow, it amounts to who you have, right? Like there, there can only be one Kim unless you've figured out how to clone yourself, which is a time for another interview. <laughs> but how do you keep talent? How do you keep employees? Uh, how do you build those lasting relationships, maybe even within your business, but maybe outside? Like what types of things do you advise to people? Because to that point, is it a 
Um, you know, what types of questions do you ask? Uh, you know, I know dollars and cents, like financially, perhaps that comes into play. But, you know, how do you keep the first couple of people you've had? You know, how do you, what's your perspective from that? What do you see with the other businesses you're working with to retain talent? Because again, you're only, you're only as good, right, as, as kind of the holes you can fill, uh, you know, especially since we clearly, you've made it a point, and I completely agree that you have to understand where your limitations are and where your skill sets kind of, you know, start and stop in terms of growing um, and be honest. So how do you keep those people you need? How do you have, how does Batman have his Robin? Yeah, great question. I, you know, there are a lot of the businesses we work with, they, uh, whether they admit it or not, they only know what they know. And so I think um, one, if there is, my friend Phil Harriman, who um, is was a part is a partner at Labelle and Harriman, has a phrase that he uses that I think of often, which is, "If your head, heart, and stomach don't align, um, there's a problem." And if you have um, misalignment as an owner, there's something that's probably truth to that, and you should figure it out. I would. Um, do two things. One, I would ask your employees, what's working, what's not working, to have that check-in with them. And this is why people hire us, because a lot of owners don't have time to do that, or they don't make time, or they don't want to hear what the employee actually says. Then that goes to difficult discussions that you have to have. And some of that is reflecting in the mirror on how could I change or fix this. But the other is, I may not have the money to do it. And so I would say the answer to the question is it really depends upon the business. It depends upon the owner and what they want. But what it comes down to is good communication and asking for help, quite honestly. So employee retention, I can share with you when I started the business and still to this day, I do not, this may change. Uh, I don't offer health insurance and my employees get paid for the hours that they work. And um, people don't come to work for KMA because they're climbing a corporate ladder. They don't come to KMA because they want to make a ton of money, even though we're consultants and everyone thinks consultants make a ton of money. Um, people come to KMA because they're doing the work that they love and they have the flexibility to do it in. And so for me, how I've been able to keep employees is constant communication around as we grow, here's the changes and shifts and change management's a whole nother discussion around how do you keep people engaged during that. Um, how I've done it is just good communication. It's honesty, it's a vulnerability and um, it's setting expectations. Communication, clearly big on your front in not only within your business, but within partners, strategic partners, businesses you work with, I think communication, I'm 100% on board with you is, you know, and following through on what you say and kind of, you know, filling, fulfilling your end of the deal builds lasting relationships and long term. Talk to me about a relationship. I want a story now. Okay. A relationship, and you probably have many, that changed your path, maybe changed your angle, your trajectory in business. Maybe it was just a really meaningful one. I know I can tell you, go back and you look and there's a handful of scenarios that played out that at the time you knew they were decisions, but, or, you know, discussions or whatnot, but 
you probably don't realize how much impact they have until you're still reflecting on them five, 10, 15 years later. I was thinking last night, I got out of the shower and I was thinking about a discussion I'd had with uh, one of my kind of early mentors. And, you know, here I am, it was probably 15 years ago that I'd had it. And he's in a totally different realm in terms of business. But that discussion, I literally can and it was in a car driving down the highway. And I, you know, it lasted eight seconds. And I still go back to that discussion. I can't even tell you how many times a year. So I want one of those nitty gritty, dirty stories where, you know, a relationship, how it formed, what happened, how it kind of perhaps catapulted you, perhaps it was a negative experience and, and again, changed something. Give me one of them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's so many, and I want to tell you them all. I think... Um, tell me a couple. Okay. Well, I'll tell you that when I first started working with Jim Lyon, my business coach, um, I was juggling a lot of, um, you know, the kids and trying to make this happen. And there were, there were two things that he would constantly say to me that would just make me so angry. And one of, well, one made me angry. One made me go, okay, I got it. So the first thing that he would say to me is those are just excuses, Kim. And that made me have to look in the mirror to be like, is that, am I above the line here? And am I really just making an excuse and competitiveness in me? If it was the truth would just make me want to say back at you, Jim. Um, fine. I'll show you. Um, and then the other was Kim, that's head trash. And those are all the doubts and the fears that I personally have of why I couldn't do it. Not an excuse, because I believe truly I can do anything that I want to do and can my employees and can my clients. They can do anything they want to do if you think about it. But there is head trash that gets in the way. And so I think that those two scenarios are um, kind of what um, made me dig my heels in and the stubbornness of the Leo that I am and want to succeed. I think the other is I had a, um, a print. I've had two pretty significant clients who were not happy with me with, um, some things that had happened and, um, it wasn't okay with me, um, not to have, them hear my side of the story. And again, in that grit and willingness to say, okay, we screwed up. Or you know what? I could have done that differently. Or I didn't even think of your side that when 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 I made that decision. Um though those were bad word of mouth, I believe will sink me. And being able to talk those really difficult, truly awful situations through were, I think back to those and say, if I can get through that, I can get through anything. Not the juicy juice you wanted, but for me, it, it hits the heart. And, um, and, and when you say humble that those are the moments that make me humble because, and, and then not to mention the pandemic. I mean, that was, uh, for every business owner, is for every business owner, depending upon there was, there were weeks of unknown 
And again, that vulnerability of, I spent 13 years building this company and it could be gone tomorrow, just raged me. Um, But it's kind of coming down to the ground and controlling what you can control and doing the right thing. And, you know, what comes around goes around. And I, I believe, I believe that if, even if it was the last day at KMA, there'd be something else for me when that other door opened just with eternal optimism. Yeah. Well, I think that though, that, you know, those thoughts and that situation in terms of like, realness from, hey, wow, we screwed up. This situation wasn't good as far as a learning lesson is vastly different than a motivation Monday on Instagram in terms of like, wow, I think I've done this 13 years. I have X number of employees and I still think, you know, I might go out of business tomorrow. Um, You know, I heard the same discussion from somebody who I know, who, you know, I talked to in the first week, I think, from when the pandemic started. And I said, you know, hey, where are you at? Do you want to, you know, keep training this and that? He's like, right now, I got to figure out how I can keep, you know, 450 people employed. And it's like, people don't ever really, again, they, they think you're printing money. And they don't ever really think that like the, the emotional and the amount of kind of mental space you put into keeping the business going for the sake of the people as much as anything. Um, some of it, sure. Some of it's ego. And again, you're competitive, like you said, but the reality is you are investing a lot of, a lot of time and still handling a, in a significant right amount of the stress. Like that's the one thing that I think, again, people just on the outside never really think of and including people who want to go start a business, right? Like, yeah, I want to do this because, and they don't think about, all the other pieces that kind of come into play. And I always joke that it's similar to coaching, right? Like I grew up in sports too, where knowledge is one thing, but then the application of it is a totally different thing, right? Like you can read a bunch of business books and be able to regurgitate information. You can look up information on a medical issue and be able to regurgitate it. But the ability to apply it and know when and how and why those things really start to kind of be the difference maker, I think. Uh, on that note, I want to talk to you. You know, you have, again, you've, you've clearly grown. You have still been significantly growing during a pandemic. Um, and I think oftentimes what's happened in a lot of business, and look, it, it's not the same in every industry, but I feel like many of the businesses that have gone on to thrive were prepared and situated, again, kind of forecasting out. And they have enough infrastructure in terms of, you know, systems and statements to somewhat be able to scale within reason to meet those new needs and evolve. But talk to me about, you know, if you're giving a blanket statement in terms of taking somebody from, again, that that piece, hey, wow, I read this in a great business book or wow, I heard this in a nice podcast interview and they say I have to have grit and determination Um, you've grown a good team, a big team. Is there a statement that you, you know, you keep going back a little bit to, you know, Hey, kind of, you know, follow up on what you say, you know, with regards to your word and invest in places where you're not good and other people's thoughts. Um, is there a blanket statement that, that Kim would give in terms of, you know, giving some advice for a young business owner or somebody Mm -hmm. who is, 
maybe even not a young business owner, but you know, you're, you, like you said, you learn from all different people, different uh, avenues in terms of different industries. What would you say? I think I would say, call me and we'll sit down and talk because I want to hear more. But I would also say this, it's, it's put your ego aside. It's not about you. It's about what you're doing for somebody else, whether it be a product, whether it be a service. Um, it's not, it's not about you. And if you can put that aside, you'll be successful. Perfect. Um, all right. I want to rapid fire some questions to you. Okay. okay. I'm going to run through a handful. Don't overthink. Okay. And uh, are you ready? I am. All right. People want to know about you, Kim. Okay. What's the hardest thing you've ever done? Um, the hardest thing I've ever done was start this business. Dog or cat? <sighs> neither. <laughs> or neither. <laughs> uh, last thing you took a picture of. Oh, hold on. Let me look. <laughs> I think it was the turkeys in my yard. Turkeys in your beautiful, uh, iPhone or Android iPhone. Could you live? We know this one, but could you live without social media? Yes. Uh, if you were stranded on a deserted Island, what is one thing you would have to bring and why? Well, it'd be hard to have an unlimited supply of beer, but that would be it. Or a fishing pole. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> so Kim, uh, thanks for coming on. We absolutely, one, learned a ton uh, and lots of good stuff. Two, we want to tell people where and how they can find out more so they can jump on that call with you and, uh, and chat a little bit about their business, where they're trying to go. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where they can find out more information about KMA? Sure. They could go to www.kmahr.com or you can always email me at kim at kmahr.com. Perfect. And we will throw links up for that so people can definitely check that out. And uh, we want to thank you again, Kim, for coming on and appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Shelby. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take the time to leave us a review as it helps us connect with more like-minded people just like yourself. For more information on the show, its guests, or to listen to more podcasts, make sure to check us out on iTunes at Portland Maine Business Podcast, as well as online at PortlandMainBusinessPodcast.com.